0: Good morning Foundry, it is uh, great to be here, I've been here twice uh, before, this is my third time, uh, I think the last time was before COVID, so um, probably four or five years ago, so I probably looked a little bit younger uh, back then, um, but uh, it's a little dark out there, but you're looking a little uh, older than four or five years ago too, so <laughs> just saying, um, so uh yeah, the other, the other thing is I uh, found myself in a, in a new space uh, three years ago being single for the first time in 34 years. Um, true story, my buddy Mark over here, I hadn't been on a date as a single person in 34 years. I call him on the way to the very first date I had, Fish, you've got to help me out here. I don't know anything about wine. I'm going to look like some hillbilly redneck from Harford County, give me a crash course on wine. So he's breaking it down. Well, there's red, there's white, blah blah blah, and you know, and I'm like, you know, he's saying there's this, there's, th- I'll take that, not this, and and so, um, you know, I show up and feel like, all right, I at least uh, know something here. So I, I've had to ask for a lot of advice, not having been in this space for 34 years, and so. I ask curious questions, I I like to learn, and so what what I found out was that in the dating world, the top five things that are not sexy, all right, you ready for this? (laughs) Drum roll, drum roll, (laughs) okay, top five things that that I found just by asking curious questions that are not sexy, number one, nose and ear hair, (laughs) number two, I'm not calling anybody out here, but guys who play air guitar during worship, not sexy. <laughs> a couple of you in the back, unnamed. Um, here's, here's a funny one. Uh, guys on dating sites that are holding the fish that they caught. <laughs> not, not cool. Um, and, then, and then this one cracks me up too. All the guys that are wearing hats, and they're thinking nobody's going to know that they're bald. Right? <laughs> and, then, and then the fifth one, is presentations on thinking patterns. Oh, you didn't see that coming. (laughs) I see the look of surprise. Presentations on thinking patterns. It's not a glitzy, glamorous, sexy topic at all. When Scott asked me to um, speak on this, I was just like, oh my gosh, I think I'd rather like walk across broken glass or something. It's just, it doesn't sound exciting, right? So then... Then I kind of thought about it a little bit more and realized and i 'm going to get it more into this in a minute that there's some foundational things um, about thinking patterns that lay groundwork, lay a foundation. Think about anything you 've ever done well in your life you had to learn fundamentals and basics so this morning we 're kind of going back to basics uh, as it were i 'm going to throw out three vignettes to you and see if you see yourself in any of these vignettes. So, vignette number one, and see if you can name what distorted thinking pattern each vignette is. So, think, uh, vignette number one, um, guy gets a um, P&L sheet in his business that's a little less than stellar, um, and he stresses over it, um, thinks, oh, my gosh, if I get four more of these in a row, I'm out of business. And then my house is going to foreclose. And then uh, my wife's going to divorce me. My kids are going to be homeless. All my friends are going to think I'm a loser. Um, uh, who do I know that might be hiring? All this from one P&L sheet that's not great. Um, I'm probably going to be alone when I die. Who's going to come to my funeral? You know, just play it out. Um, so that, that one is uh, catastrophic thinking, catastrophic. Mark would vouch, I know a little bit about catastrophic thinking. Um, that vignette was actually actually me like 20 years ago. That's what I would do. Um, vignette number two, um, something bad happens to you, such as your car breaks down and you're like, oh my goodness, I, I shouldn't have bought the new car. It broke down or I shouldn't have bought the used car. And you go on and on beating yourself up over how it's your fault or maybe your kid gets in trouble at school and instead of saying, okay, my child's a human being, like how do I give them instructions, some guidance, etc., you blame yourself and you're like, here's all my mistakes as a parent because they were talking during class, you know, I'm a miserable failure. So, um, that one is personalization and blame. So, taking personal responsibility for every bad thing around you. the third one, um, in a weak moment, you say something um, impatient, unkind to somebody, whatever the case may be. But you feel such shame about it that you, you can't bring yourself to really come to grips with you made a mistake. And so you get mad at the other person and you, and you blame them. Or it's the opposite. You just berate yourself over and over and over. Again, I talked with a woman this week who thinks she cannot make mistakes, and she self-sabotages because her thinking. I mean, there's a lot involved, but and we'll get to some of it in the Q&A. I don't want to have a spoiler. Um, <laughs> so the Q&A is going to be great. Stay on the edge of your seat. Um, <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, these these thinking patterns can really get us in trouble. That one. Is all-or-nothing thinking. I need I need to be perfect. If I'm not, you know, then I'm a miserable failure. No in-between ground. Um, all right. So a couple others um, I'm just going to briefly mention. Um, other common distorted thinking patterns. Um, Overgeneralization. Over-general, this is always or never. You know, my my wife always leaves the kitchen a train smash. Um, he never uh, gives me a kind word. These are overgeneralizations. I'm um, discounting the positive. Um, I talked to somebody once who his wife said, "Why do you give me flowers? They're just going to die anyway. What, you know, why do you do? Um, you know, why do you buy this for me? That's a waste of money. You know, so discounting the positive, and people that don't have um, self-worth and are engaged." in a downward spiral negative thinking pattern will, um, will do that. They'll discount the positive. Maybe you know somebody or maybe you're that person that has trouble taking a compliment. Um, jumping to conclusions. Assuming somebody is mad at you because they're in a bad mood. Um, like how many of us have gotten that email or that text message that said, um, can we talk um, Tuesday at 10 o'clock? You know, and immediately your mind starts going, oh, my gosh, I did something wrong. They're mad at me. And your body feels weak. Um, I've been there. We we all have. Um, That's jumping to conclusions. Control fallacies, thinking that I can control everything or I can control nothing. Um, Shoulds, having unrealistic expectations of myself or other people. So there's probably a lot more. I, I didn't go to an Ivy League school. So that's all I have. You have to go to Google. They didn't teach us anymore in my state school. Um, hashtag state schools. Um, do you resonate with any of these vignettes? Um, if, if you do, tune in. I'm going to go through some ways to turn that around. If not, I have two suggestions. One would be you could go to Amazon, get some shopping done, or, or go to the, your fantasy football app and start working on next year's draft. Um, but the re- for the rest of us, um, I, what I want to say is positive thinking patterns, they're foundational. They, they lay the groundwork to experience God's goodness and presence in our lives. Um, they're kind of like I read a business book that some of you all might have read um, that's been popular for 25 years called Good to Great by Jim Collins or actually I think it was a sequel Great by Choice. He tells the story of two explorers um, who both go to the Uh, South Pole, and so there's uh, the one. The one is Scott. He's a British guy. The other one's Admanson. He's a Norwegian guy. So I naturally gravitate toward uh, Admanson because I'm Scandinavian descent. So, um, but that's beside the point. Um, So they had two different approaches. Scott was like, "Hey, when the weather's good and it's 30 degrees and sunny, we're gonna go like 40 miles. We're gonna kill this." And when it's um, blizzard conditions, we're going to hunker down in our tents and we're going to wait for a better day. Um, Admondson said, we're doing the 20-mile march. And so um, what happened, long story short, was the 20-mile, he's like, we're going 20 miles if it's a blizzard. If it's 40 degrees and sunny, we're, we're stopping at 20 miles. In reality, they only averaged 15 miles, but it was simple, methodical, consistent, um, scott's team all died because they it got too harsh they didn't get out of there in time and they didn't make it out before the really harsh weather came and they all froze to death found notes in their stuff years later um Admanson's team made it down in and out the thinking patterns it's foundational like that there's a there's a discipline uh, to it that will serve us all well all right so to So to dive into that, um, lots more I could say about that. Um, How do you change negative thinking patterns? Well, it's all about cognitive reframing is point number one. So I'm going to weave a little bit of the spiritual in here. Um, There's this guy named, I mean, we're in a place with stained glass windows, uh, St. Ignatius. Anybody ever heard of St. Ignatius? Um, He has this, uh, this thing called the examine that's every night reflecting on the day in two areas. One is called desolation, and that's where you felt pain points. You didn't feel God's presence. Um, The other one is consolation. That's where you felt God's compassionate, tender presence. Cognitive reframing, and, and the Bible says this in Philippians 3. It says that I want to know Christ and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. There, there's a progression there that, that through suffering, that that's the actual, the desolation that St. Ignatius would call it. In desolation, that's where God's doing his deepest work inside of us. That's, a whole, that's cognitive reframing, saying God hasn't abandoned me. God is forming me to the image of Christ the most, in these times. I'm in the fellowship of sharing and his sufferings. So, that, that's point number one. Then, um, the, next, the next one, would, um, just suggestion, would be quarantine your negative thoughts. So, set a limit on them. Nobody can handle thinking negative thoughts 24-7. And that's what happens, is you wake up at 2 a.m. thinking about, you know, um, quarantine. Give yourself time to think about those things but put boundaries and limits on that. Um, Set a five-minute timer, for example. Um, Replace negative thoughts with positive ones. Philippians 4.8 tells us what to think about, the things that are true, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything's excellent or praiseworthy. Think about these things. Um, One way we could do that is, I mean, these phones have a, a notes app, um, keep in a gratitude journal, what am I grateful for? Those are the things lovely, excellent, praiseworthy. So that's another way to turn that around. Um, I'm going to do a couple more and then we're going to do Q&A. Um, the, the next one I really like, um, Ecclesiastes 4.9, it just says this simply, two are better than one. Two are better than one. Sometimes you need an outside perspective. So, <clears throat> So one of my Um, One of my friends um, said, he's single as well, he's like, Eric, how can I help you? How can I pray? I'm like, all right, Gary, here's how you can help me. I think that everybody's feelings are my responsibility. I need you to tell me it's okay to say no if someone's not for you because I'm afraid to hurt their feelings. That's how you can help me. So he tells me that every other day. You know, hey, it's okay to say no. You're not responsible for the mental health and well-being of every person on every dating app. That's not yours. That's God's job. <laughs> and so, so that's that's helped me. Um, that served me well. And sometimes we need to, um, when we're in a negative thinking pattern, we need to enlist somebody else's help to be the voice of reason, who can um, speak that to us. Um, the uh, the last thing that I would just. Say before Q and A is um, calm your do something that calms your central nervous system. So whether that's um, working out, going for a walk, playing with your dog, listening to worship music or some other music, um, whatever it is, something that calms your central nervous system. Because what happens when we're in negative thinking patterns, our central nervous system is not in a good space, and sometimes calming that really can also help our mind to be more uh, positive and productive. So hopefully something that I've um, rolled out in these 15 minutes has, has landed. Um, so now we're going to transition to Q&A. So here's what we're going to do. Um, we've
1: been kind of compiling some questions as the weeks have gone on. So we've got uh, kind of a chair here for you, yeah, Eric, yeah, and I'll get one for myself as well. And uh, and I'm just going to you know, sit up here and have a casual conversation, because I feel like you just read my emails and <laughs> read my heart, and uh, nah, nah, nah. I know I'm probably not the only one that feels a little bit of resonance nah. with this, and I just love, um, there's been so much good conversation that's been birthed in this series, and so thanks for... I, I really think like you kind of bring together five weeks of conversations in a really practical way. So thank you for that. Um, I want to throw a couple questions out to you that have yeah, come in, yeah. um, and then we've got some others that have that have come to us as well in these in these few minutes. Um, so you kind of talked about the role a little bit about spiritual disciplines, talking about the the examine. Uh, but what role, you know, when I grew up, it was like read the Bible, have a quiet time, pray, and like God will be close. And, right, and, right. and I, you're giving a different invitation. So, <laughs> so would you talk for a second about the role that spiritual discipline, maybe disciplines play in kind of helping us have the mindset that you're right. speaking of?
0: So, um, yeah, let me take a few random thoughts on that. So I've been part of two different spiritual Um, soul care programs that are two years long each over the last like five years. And so there are retreats, books, whatever. There's all these different disciplines that we do. And so I noticed in there that some, uh, like Lectio Divina, who's heard of Lectio Divina? Wow, man, this is cool. So um, I, I noticed that one. That really resonated with me. So I didn't worry about the ones that don't resonate um, I noticed um, silence and solitude. There was some great things, but there were some hard things. That was, I'm like, this is really good for me. This is helping me, but it's not easy. I need to do this one. I'm gonna um, embrace this. And so I think we're all unique and different. For me, um, I am not musical at all, but I love listening to worship music. I love going with on a nice warm night having the windows down, dry, just driving around, listening to worship music, looking at the stars. To me, that's a spiritual discipline that helps me. So I don't try to tailor it toward what somebody else says. Uh, oh, all Christians should be X, Y, Z, and they're like the poster child for that, but that doesn't do it for me. Then I find something that does, and I engage in that. Um, I, I will say in college... I mean, I'm not like this as much now, but I, I memorized Scripture in college. <laughs> I memorized the entire book of Philippians in college at one point. And, and those verses come back. I didn't have Philippians 3 in my notes. Um, it, I, it just comes back. So things that were disciplines years ago, I'll be in situations. And even though I, I haven't memorized a lot of new Scriptures in uh, quite a while, the ones I have, they're they're in here, they're a foundation.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. Um, I, this is a this is one I think a lot of us have dealt with over the course of the past six weeks. So so much of this has been about like awareness of our thought life. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, you know, so when is a distracted mind uh, a positive strategy, right. and when is like a distracted mind a negative strategy? Right. Yeah, like you know, oh, I'm just gonna keep busy. Right. And some of us are like, no, you need to confront something. Yeah. You know? So how, how would you maybe determine resourceful or
0: unresourceful? Okay. Well, let, let me address those five people on their fantasy football app right now. You're distracted. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so sometimes um, a distracted mind is good because if it's not distracted, we have a word for that. It's called ruminating. And ruminating is not good. Um, sometimes not thinking about something... At all, that's not good either. We have a word for that. It's denial. It's avoidance. So we want to hit that happy medium of thinking about the things we should think about. You know, problem solve. Think it through. Have some self-awareness. Hey, hey, what was triggered in me when XYZ? I have to look at all that and ask the right questions, but just not 24-7. I need to quarantine that, so avoid both extremes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and, and there's a there's kind of a follow-up question. I feel like you kind of answered it. Like, this is one that came in just a few minutes ago. Uh, how can we balance the luxury of quarantining those negative thoughts but also honor kind of the great suffering in the world? It, you know, like, that. I mean, anything more to say kind of in that, you know? So the question is how to. You always repeat the question. Uh, when you have no so, yeah, what sure. You're so, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> so, so, you're talking, so you just said a good and important thing about the distracted mind. Uh-huh. One of the one of the questions that came in just in the text uh-huh. was like, how do we balance the luxury of being able to quarantine negative thoughts
0: while also honoring the great suffering in the world? Oh, okay. So, right. So, like having compassion and facing things that are problems not just in our own life but globally we don't want to put our head in the sand and say oh, I'm, I'm quarantining thoughts so the so those people's problem oh well yeah that what is it Micah 6 8 another college little worship song what is you know God love but to do justice to love mercy and to walk like oh yeah that stuff now nah, I'm quarant. I don't I'm not doing that I'm quarantining those thoughts yeah that it, it's that balance, again, of yeah. saying, okay, it's engagement and disengagement. Mm-hmm. And by the way, in any relationship, whether it's with the world, a marriage, a friendship, um, with God, relationships are involved um, two parts, engagement and, dis- and disconnection. Engagement, and that's why there's desolation and consolation, it's that same kind of thing. So I think we practice that. Yeah, yeah. There. Like the
1: difference between reading an, a long form article and trying to find a, a cause to partner with, then like imbibing 25 hours right. of podcasts and bringing just despair that we don't know what to do with. Right. Like there's a difference there. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. So being in the place of... of the, say one other thing. About sure, that. yeah.
0: So I think that discernment's important to say, what's God calling me to do? And I can't, I can't stress out over everything I would like to do, but either God's not calling me to do or I don't have the resources at my disposal to do. I can pray, I can care, but I re- my focus really should be on um, what's God equipped me to do, commissioned me to do, and focusing on that. Because mm-hmm. there's peace in that. There's not despair and stress in that. Yeah. And one of the things
1: I've benefited from, this is a really good question that's come in, Um, I've benefited so much from having someone like yourself in my life as a counselor Uh, to help me frame what are the things I should be paying attention to. So when someone's looking for a counselor, Mm. looking for someone to help them with this process of reframing, what might be some things they should be thinking about or looking for in a counselor if they're going to take that step?
0: I mean, I think number one is somebody who's emotionally present. So the, the counselor that, and what I mean by that, is they can enter into your space. They don't have all the answers, but they have questions. They wanna know you. Um, I would run, uh, maybe walk the other way from a counselor that, um, okay, I, uh, thinking patterns. I, I mean, I gave some points, but by no means is that like, oh, you do those seven points and you're good to go. Um, I would walk away from a counselor that has that approach, like. Uh, you have a problem. I have answered answer to everything. Um, you want somebody who's going to engage with you, be curious about your story. They're, they're going to offer a presence, not just ideas, but a presence that is healing. Um, I don't know, off the top of my head, those are a few things yeah. that I would look at. And I would chase it with one other,
1: like, what is a realistic expectation, right? Like, should I I mean, I, I have a conversation with a counselor, and just everything suddenly feels better right. in the universe. Like, what, what might be a realistic expectation to have of the work of pursuing my mental health or right. finding a counselor?
0: Well, yeah, I would add, um, you want a counselor that views it as a partnership. That's honoring and respecting you. It's not honor and respect to say, uh, well, you're a mess and I have all the answers. Those are not relationships built on honor and respect. So um, I, I would say that, and I would say it works all different ways. Sometimes there are light bulb moments where it was what you said mm-hmm. in an instant. Oh, it all makes sense. Th- those are the exception. I think a realistic expectation is that it's the it's the twenty mile march. Yeah, yeah. This is this is another good
1: uh, question with the twenty mile march and all the things you put on the the screen there. What role do the unresolved issues from our childhood mm. or otherwise play into those thought patterns? Right. And what can we do
0: about it? Right. Yeah, so I mean, the big unresolved issue is trauma. So I talked to somebody recently who, um, like she had this pattern of needing excessive reassurance from, from people. Can, can you put more emojis on that last text? I'm not sure you're really, like, present, and it was just constant. Um, there was a thinking pattern of, you know, I need, I need, I need all that, you know, and, but it's rooted in trauma. Um, let's say perfectionism. Let's say maybe somebody has a core um, unresolved issue in their life of, of perfectionism that, you know, comes from somewhere in childhood. Well, that, that's going to cause perfectionistic thoughts in the present, And the the really unfortunate part is when we go through that, then that becomes so um, demoralizing and catches us off guard that we begin to sabotage. And when it gets to that point, that somebody's like, hey, I know I'm gonna fall short, I know I'm gonna drop the ball, that then they cause that to happen so at least they're not surprised, that's a classic example of an unresolved um, issue back here affecting the present. Um, the, one that just came in, and I
1: think is a pretty easy one to answer fairly quickly, um, is worry or anxiety a
0: sin? Mm. Boy, uh, yeah, I don't know the answer to that <laughs> yeah, one, Scott. I mean, I mean, it just. <laughs> but I, I know, you know, but I know that question makes me stressed. Yeah, <laughs> no, just right. Kidding. Like, yeah, right. It's, it's like, it's like,
1: you know, the, 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 I think we're we're drawing, trying to draw, like some of the things we're trying to do in this series is to be aware of the things that are in our, in our mind right. and, and find the freedom in bringing those things
0: before all right, Jesus. All right, right? All right yeah. I have an answer for it. Yeah. Um, all right, so, so in my opinion, this is just my opinion. Um, I think that worry or anxiety is a normal part of being human. When we pervasively in our life, as a pattern, we don't trust God, I think that can become a sin. Yeah. but i don 't think the presence of the presence of that just shows that we 're human. Yeah. What we do with that, I think determines whether we're we're sinning or not and yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah that's really good um, this is another This is another one I think that a lot of us uh, kind of wonder about because um, we 've come from different backgrounds and streams of frameworks, yeah. even for how we understand christian experience right there's some yeah. people who go like, well anxiety means you don't pray enough. It's uh, you know, or whatever. So how, how might we, and this is, this is another big question, right? How might we think about medication? Mm. Like, I know that's a kind of a hot button topic, right. and I'm not asking, asking you to give like a one size fits all, but if, right. if we were just starting
0: to think about that, how right. might we think about the role of medication? Yeah. So med- medication's gotten a bad rap in some Christian circles. Um, my opinion, I'm of the mindset <laughs> that sometimes uh, medication can give us the equilibrium and stability to do the work in therapy. I mean, if, if our central nervous system is just completely out of whack, our body's shaking, um, I mean, that, that's a terrible place to be. Um, and some medication can calm those symptoms. So now I can focus and think straight And get a grasp on you know what it is I need to work through then that's a good thing yeah Um, I think that that's I mean obviously there's such a thing as over medication Um, I, I don't I don't necessarily buy into like somebody's been on antidepressants for 10 years oh oh they shouldn't be on them they're overly dependent well I don't know it could be numerous scenarios maybe Maybe they need that in order to have stability in their life. Maybe, you know, maybe there's some things if they worked through or got a different therapy like EMDR, um, which is a whole other story. Won't, maybe some of you have heard of that. Um, I've had EMDR and it completely calmed my central nervous system over something I was really just thrown off kilter about and that helped me to be able to actually focus on some things. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's a complicated question.
1: Yeah, but it sounds like what you're saying is like maybe the danger is dismissing it entirely, right? But then another danger is like believing it's the magic wand, right? right that it just right. resolves. Oh well, I wasn't depressed. I was depressed, and now I'm not thanks to insert pharmaceutical. You yeah. know, and I'm the poster child for the commercials or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one more question, unless others come in. I have one more to go here. Um, so, we've talked about this from the framework of like maybe ourself and understanding ourselves, but if I have a friend, right, that I can really see struggling with their thought patterns, and they're spiraling, but they don't really seem to be aware of it, um, any good suggestions on how to like help them without making it worse?
0: Right, yeah, we've all, we've all been there, right? Um, I think, again, everybody's different. So I think um, not having a preconceived notion in our mind. Oh, I'm just going to come in. I'm going to. I'm going to fix A, B, C. Hey, hey, do you realize? You know, your thinking's really distorted. In fact, it's delusional. That's not going to work. You know, but but being present, like I would start with showing up, being present, being an empathetic, curious presence, supportive in their life, giving reassurance, and asking questions, and. And then kind of discerning, okay, where, where are they? Are they at a spot where a little bit of feedback, you know, would help them? Or would that push them further away? Oh, they don't understand. Nobody, like, we have to kind of figure that, that part out. Even asking the question, um, hey, wow, you're really suffering a lot. That's hard. I, f- I feel your, your angst. Um, what can I do? What would you like from me? What can I do that would help you? Is it, are there certain things I can say, certain things I can ask? You know, what is it? And letting them tell us. Yeah. All right. This is the last question.
1: This is where we'll, where we'll end. All right. So it kind of ties into this idea. Um, I'm just going to read it as it's stated. And if you need me to repeat it, I'll repeat right. it. Say there are two people both stuck in a negative thinking pattern, in a relationship or maybe a parent and child, Is there a passage we can keep in our pocket to disrupt or reset that conversation in the moment?
0: uh, I think we're we're out of time, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a a big one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Read read that one again. Yeah, I'm going to read it again. Yeah, yeah, it's it.
1: Yeah. Say there are two people both stuck in a negative thinking pattern. Maybe, for example, a relationship, or maybe the relationship of a parent and a child. Is there a passage we can keep in our pocket to disrupt and reset that conversation yeah. in the moment?
0: You know, I think sometimes in that kind of dysfunctional dynamic, um, it's easy for two people to start thinking the worst of each other. I, I just went back in my mind as you read that to Philippians 4, eight, that I think thinking, okay, what, what's excellent, praiseworthy, true about this person? Mm-hmm. Not just generally in life, about this person. And I just, I think that can disrupt that.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I
1: think it's, I think that's a really helpful framework. I mean, it's easier said than done, of course. And uh, could could we just thank Eric for to doing this? I mean, that's a. Uh, this is not. Not an easy thing to do, um, but we really want to in this journey together um, honor the questions and the spaces where we find ourselves today and uh, and so I'm just really thankful that uh, that you would be with us today uh, and that yeah. you've you know that you're you're helping us just think differently about the things that we're thinking about um, want to move us now to uh, just conclude our time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this in prayer, and then we will uh, move forward with the Lord's Supper and continuing in our worship. God, it, we know that this probably brings to the surface a plethora of other questions too, uh, but thank you for meeting us in this space. Thankful, thank you for the idea that in you, new life and a new way to experience renewal is possible. Uh, through the person and work of Jesus. Uh, but thank you, God, that uh, your presence meets us where we are, how we are, um, and, and continues to walk with us um, each day through, uh, through the joys and through the dark night of the soul. Thank you for your love for us. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.